0: Welcome to CRT2, Columbia Race Talks, Critical Race Theory. I'm Flores Forbes. And I'm Kendall
1: Thomas. In this episode, our Columbia Law School student team brings you a story about the political backlash against critical race theory in France. Join us for this deep dive into what critical race theory is and why it matters. And now to our story. On Tuesday, November 30th, Josephine Baker became the first black woman to be inducted into the French pantheon, the Tomb of France's Heroes. On that grey afternoon, soldiers from the Republican Guard carried the coffin up the red carpeted stairs to join the other 75 men and five women, such as Victor Hugo, Emile Césaire, or Marie Curie. Later in the night, you could see projections of Josephine Baker on the emblematic monument along with the French flag. In parallel, that day, the iconic Empire State Building in New York was lit with the colors of the French flag. As he stood by her coffin, Mr. Macron, the French president, declared, France is Josephine. She did not defend a certain skin color. She had a certain idea of humankind and fought for the freedom of everyone. Her cause was universalism, the unity of humanity, the equality of everyone ahead of the identity of each single person. This unique event and Macron's statements could not be more symbolic. In fact, the French government has lately been attacking the alleged Americanization of French universities with critical race theories. These American imports are said to undermine and fragment the French Republic. But as Josephine Baker engaged in the French resistance, she was equally very much a visible figure of the civil rights movement in the United States, alongside Dr. Martin Luther King on the Mall. Together with Professor Souma today, we will embark together on a journey to explore the linked face between the U.S. and France. We will also aim to tell you a story of racism à la Française, drawing some comparisons with the debate here in the U.S. To do so, we will rely on Professor Sumauro's book, An Experience, as a French Black Academic who has lived on both sides of the Atlantic. We will discuss why, in contrast with the US, race as a word, a concept, is still a taboo and under attacks in French politics. As we um, introduced Josephine Baker's induction to the to the French pantheon, this has obviously also resonated a lot on this side of the Atlantic in, in the U.S. Could you share with us some thoughts drawing from mm-hmm. um, your academic research and, mm-hmm. and experience on, on how we feel, how mm-hmm. you feel mm-hmm. uh, about that induction of, of Josephine Baker? Yes.
0: First, I didn't know that the Empire State Building had... Uh, you know, flown the, 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 the French colors uh, on, on the 30th, I wish I would have seen that. It would, be, it would have been interesting to see it with my own eyes. It's really interesting to see this trans, transatlantic celebration of Josephine Baker from, um, you know, both places, both perspectives. On the one hand, it's interesting to see that even in New York City, uh, so even in the U.S., there was this celebration of Josephine Baker, who was, for the most part, uh, during her life, You know, ignored by her country of origin, by the United States. So now to see that, um, you know, like such a significant building in New York City, uh, in the state of New York, the Empire State uh so this empire state building is showing the french colors putting forth this long you know relationship and this long friendship that that is true to a certain level as we said earlier uh, lafayette was dispatched by the french to help um, you know the, the the american revolution so that this there's this long history of alliance and support between france and the united states but josephine baker originating from st louis i believe had to leave the United States precisely because she didn't have enough opportunities in our country. We're talking about the interwar period. We're talking about Jim Crow. We're talking about the pre-civil rights, I mean, active civil rights, or not active, it's not true, winning civil rights movement, right, because the victories occurred in the 1950s and the 1960s, the large demonstration, the protest, but also the decisions Uh, made by the Supreme Court of the United States, that's the 50s and the 60s, which doesn't mean that the activism along those questions were not discussed, debated, and fought for in the 40s, in the 30s, and actually since uh, the end of the Civil Rights, uh, not the the end of the Civil War, right? Let alone the resistance during uh, the period during which slavery was legal in all parts of the United States. We tend to restrict it to the South, but there was also slavery, in the North. So Josephine Baker is a black woman, African-American from the United States, who decided that um, you know, she would travel to Europe and to France in particular, that she would pursue a career. And she, she reached a level of stardom in France and in Europe that she simply would have never achieved in the United States. That is to say that in France in particular, she really was a mainstream icon. Right, she was a superstar. She was a fashion icon. Uh, she danced. She performed. She was an actress. Uh, you know, women wanted to look like her, and I'm I'm talking about you know all women and many white women. They wanted to have a hairstyle. They wanted to have a clothes. She married several times. Uh, you know, white French men. I think she had married in the United States when she was um you know uh, younger. But she had a, a, um you know like uh she was Beyonce. You know, she was uh, the Beyonce of the time. And this was only possible in the French context, right? She did try to have a career in the United States, but in the United States, she was never able to achieve this level of stardom. So this is interesting to see that now in 2021, the Empire State Building is paying tribute to Josephine Baker when she, uh, you know, consistently depicted how she was segregated, how even when she was a superstar in France, she could not be, you know, served food in a restaurant, even in the North. But my take on Josephine Baker as a black French person of of African origin, somebody who has lived in France uh, most of her life. At first, I didn't know who Josephine Baker was as I was growing up. I didn't know her. This is a conversation that I've had with colleagues from the United States, uh, African-American or black women teaching in the United States or, you know, being based in the Americas and having conversation with those colleagues was very enlightening in terms of our perspective within the diaspora. The colleagues that uh, carried out work on Josephine Baker were, for the most part, you know, historian, or cultural studies, um, you know, specialists. Uh, they were feminists and they were uh, on their, you know, like their mission was to unearth right, to uncover the silenced, lost histories of Black women throughout the world, and one of those Black women was Josephine Baker. And they were, you know, happy and willing to dig into uh, Josephine Baker's experience in France and to celebrate her as this, um, you know, Black woman who had overcome all the obstacles. You know, you know the narrative. And I find it interesting. I found it interesting. Only when I met uh, I met those colleagues in Paris or in New York or other places, I kept telling them, I don't know Josephine Baker. And I'm interested in African-Americans and unearthing uncovering, and covering uh, and, you know, dealing with all those silence histories in the United States. But I would have never thought about Josephine Baker. And my perspective is so much different from yours because she's not my icon. She's not a hero. She's not like, and I did not know her until I think I was 13 or 14. And I saw, um, a comedian on French TV who, uh, so there was a whole thing about, uh, you know, past histories and past artists. And at some point, uh, this comedian of, um, you know, I think of a Caribbean origin, partly, like he's a, a mixed race. He impersonated Josephine, uh, Josephine Baker with, uh, you know, a banana a belt and uh, making faces and dancing. And I thought that this humor was part of 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 the, the comic setting. I thought he was just doing something crazy, and that was supposed to make us laugh. And I didn't know that this person was a real person. So that was my first encounter with Josephine Baker. And then growing up and um, hearing about her because she she, she was celebrated in France and as this icon, I totally yes at first naively rejected her. It was like I, I I'm. <laughs> I don't, I don't look up to her. I don't see like if if to reach stardom is about accepting to make faces, dance half naked, you know, sporting a banana skirt. The I, I don't understand. But I've noticed over the years that they're they're they're. Um, Josephine Baker has street named I mean streets named after her. There's a, a big swimming pool in Paris that's named after her. That like she's a very common name. And um and I use the term naively rejected her because now I understand more things, but um there are still questions to be you know posed regarding this um Uh, elaboration of an acceptable form of blackness for the French mainstream. So Josephine Baker was at first an American citizen, right? That's a fact, she was an American citizen. And blacks from, I mean, African-Americans are a different type of black people. African-Americans are not tied to the colonial history of France. African-Americans are associated with the united states which is perceived particularly in the 20th century as a powerful country as the country that has helped both france and other european countries during the two world wars right so in the beginning of the 20th century Uh, The United States of America that had been, uh, you know, a very isolationist country uh, throughout the 19th century comes to the international stage, right, gets involved in international affairs and gets involved in a position of power, industrial power. Right? even though we're on the way to, the, <laughs> to 1929 and, uh, and, and the crash, but it, it, it's still the, um, you know, the gilded age, like from the late 19th century to the early 20th century. Uh, there's um, a development of the U.S. Army, right? So the, the, the United States in the 20th century is a, a mighty uh, country, right? And um, and uh, Josephine Baker, even though she's an African American, and even though she's being segregated within the United States, outside of the United States, she can paradoxically benefit from her U.S. citizenship, right? But outside, she will be respected as an American, as a Black American, and in that particular in that particular order. She's black, but she's a civilized black. She's an American black, right? Even though domestically, she's not, she's treated as a second class citizen, right? And so that's the thing with, um, you know, the many forms of blackness. You can be a black person, but it all depends on geographically where you come from and to what are you associated with? Are you associated with an independent country that has now grown into being a powerful country or are you a black person coming from the French colonial empire? And that's not the same black. So I think that in the French context, she was, you know, celebrated precisely because she was not from the colonial empire. So that's my issue with uh, Josephine Baker, and I think I mean may she rest in peace and 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 good for her if she was inducted. But if the price to pay to be inducted in the Pantheon that I have no interest in anyway, if the, the the condition to be inducted is that, then I can no. I as a French person, as a black French person, she's not and- my kind of black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is so fascinating, Professor, because this really ties into that discussion, in uh, lengthy discussion in your book about this perception of blackness yeah. on where you are situated, yes. and really drawing on your own experience, as you mentioned the link of uh, being black from um, French colonial, the French colonial empire yes. in the U.S. Yes. is a very is a very different experience than living. Uh, and experiencing it in France. Exactly. Uh, and, and, could you tell us maybe a bit more yeah. about how, when you came to, to the US, uh, you were sort of, you said you were associated with a sort of French grandeur and, of course. And, and
0: prestige exactly yeah. and that was a surprise because I was coming from a context where I was you know systematically or at least frequently asked where are you from and are you really French and all those questions about my citizenship status or you know my origins is really were really questions about why are you black why are you black in this context right you're not really um, one of us you're you know, something else. And then I, tr- I cross the Atlantic. I go to the United States and people ask me, where are you from? And this is okay because I'm an immigrant to the United States. I'm not home, right? Uh, and so I had to make a choice. I didn't know what to answer. Uh, I, I was coming from Paris. Um, So I couldn't say I'm Ivorian, which was the answer that I would provide when I was asked this question in France, right? Where are you from? I'm from the Ivory Coast. My parents were from the Ivory Coast. I was actually born in France and I had grown up in France. But when I come to the United States, geography again, it's like, where are you from? So can I say I'm from the Ivory Coast? Because people will start telling me, oh, Abidjan, how nice. I know that I don't know Abidjan. I grew up in Paris. So I started saying for the first time, I come from France and France became my home. Or there was this realization that my home was actually France because my family was living in France because I was born there. And because this is it was the place that I knew the most. And when I said I'm French or I'm I'm from Paris, people did, did not question me. I mean, from time to time, they would say, oh, there are black people in France. And but most of the time they were like, okay. And it was believable. And it was, it was the first time in my life that I presented myself, that I understood myself or that I accepted myself and was accepted as a French person. And that took place outside of France. So I totally understand the situation in which Josephine Baker found her, herself because on this side of the Atlantic, I was immediately and easily associated with the image of France uh, that is projected, you know, throughout the world. So fashion, haute couture, uh, you know, haute couture, uh, you know the, the, the arts and the letters and, the, you know, the, 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 you know, like the, 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 the long, um, I don't know, cultural history, the castles, the wine, the cheese. And, the, and then you, 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 you understand that you're a particular kind uh, of French because I'm Muslim, I don't drink. Uh, so I don't know anything about wines, like <laughs> I couldn't help anyone. But I do eat cheese. And then you're Muslim, but I'm a smoker, so you smoke, and you're Muslim. You know all those things. But that, that 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 was really an opportunity for me to um to get a better sense of myself. But I also understood how I could benefit from this association with. Uh, you know, the French nation state. I was myself coming from a powerful and dominant country, a civilized cu- country, a cultured country. And in that regard, uh, there could be a distinction made between me, this black French person, and African-Americans. And African-Americans that could perhaps automatically take you back, uh, take you back as a white American to the historical feud right, to the unresolved issues, to the ongoing racism of the United States. So I suddenly became this convenient black person that people can uh, talk to, um, talk uh, about friends to, be friends with, hire, right, give opportunities, be, opportunities because you're still a black person, but you're not that kind of black. So that's why I write that to each nation, uh, its own black. Right. So what Josephine Baker, let's say, I'm, I'm not at her level, of course, what she benefited from in France. I know that I'm benefiting it. For, I'm benefiting um, from in the United States as a French person is if I introduce myself as a, an Ivorian, it would be a different story. Um, not only negative, uh, but but it would be, um, you know, different unfoldings. But the, the, the me and the French. It's like I'm, I'm a real French. I can be an ambassador for France, which is interesting. When I was teaching here at Columbia and Barnard, I uh, participated to one of the commencement ceremonies. Right, so I, to me it was so exotic. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it and have students who are graduating, and then they they gave me the robe you know, that I had to wear. And I was like, we don't do that in France. Oh yes, I'll do it. And then, you know, like the colors you wear are the colors of your um, university, the university in which you received your PhD. And because my PhD was French, they were like, oh, we don't know what color to give you because you're not an American. You didn't receive your PhD from an American university. And they gave me the French colors. So I was the face of France on Columbia campus, and I found this moment to be very interesting. And I, 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 I thought to myself, "Hmm, I'm representing France, but in this very, you know, prestigious context in this Ivy League university, and now France is claiming me because I'm here. This is interesting, you know." So I, I, I mean, that was back in 2008 or nine, and that was uh, interesting because it was the first time that I was wearing. The French colors, and that took place in the United States.
1: Now, bringing it back to our contemporary era in France, um, much of the criticism against critical race theory is that import, that Americanization of uni- French universities, um, and bringing mm. you know identity politics, mm. and and that danger um, to the to the French republican ideal mm. um, and the French universalist model that Macron referred to in his speech uh, he made for Josephine uh, Baker. Mm, yes. W- what do we mean, maybe quickly, by French universalism? And, and to, to w- what do you think about the, this, yes. this critique?
0: French universalism is really a, this idea that France does not recognize racial categories, unlike the United States, that France does not recognize ethnic or religious groups that you are a French national and that's it. In public, in the public sphere, the republic should not take into account your, let's say, community affiliation. So this you know, this non-recognition of communities has been sometimes labeled communitarism, which was for the longest time impossible to, to translate in English. So now more and more we say here uh, communitarianism, yes. but the concept Um, You know, it's interesting to see how how translation matters. There was no word because the concept or the vision did not exist in the United States, right? But in French, um, the anti-model was the United States, and the model of the United States was based on communities, and, and France do not want communities but France has communities and the communities that are referred to in the French perception of uh, communautarism is also interesting. We could find, uh, we could, we could talk about that because when the French talk about, um, you know, communities in the United States, they're talking about the minority groups, right? That, that's what they are talking about. Minority groups, you know, racial groups or, you know, visible ethnicities. They're not talking about the founding communities of the United States um, that is to say, the pilgrims of uh, New England, right? Or the, the businessmen of the people who were working for, uh, you know, joint stock companies that founded, um, you know, the colony of Virginia in 1607. And that was a, a colony that was set up to, um, you know, for economic purposes, right? They're not talking about the Quakers of Pennsylvania. They're not talking about all these groups of different settlers who populated North America at the time for different reasons and then all those colonies became states and 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 uh built this country that became you know nation states um the uh, named the United States of America these were colonies like if we talk about wasps you you, you know uh so white anglo protestants um we're talking about an immigration that is very different from uh, the irish immigration the, the workers poor workers people who were um you know, uh, escaping from, uh, famine in, in Ireland. We're not talking about the 19th century and, uh, you know, people who went through Ellis Island and who came from Eastern, uh, Europe and Southern Europe and who were no longer, uh, you know, Protestant, but they were, you know, Catholic or they were Jews, you know, the Russian, all these things. It's a, it's a history of minorities. When the French talk about the minorities, they're, they're not talking about, uh, they're talking about the visible uh, the negatively racialized minorities. So I think that this is a distinction that needs to be taken into account. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say about this uh, threat of the Americanization of French universities or the French psyches is, is a, is a myth that is so easy to debunk. This is such a display of bad faith. We spoke about the lingering, the lingering ties connecting France and the U.S. from the foundation of the U.S., the military support, the political support from Lafayette, the John de Krefker who wrote about, uh, you know, like this American Revolution, as early as 1782, we can talk about uh, Tocqueville, who uh, traveled throughout the, the United States in 18, in, I think it was in the 1830s or 1820s, who was talking about, you know, like the, um, you know, the the issue of slavery, the race relations in the United States, and when when Krefker on when, when Tocqueville um, wrote and spoke. And reflected upon this, uh, you know, the evolution of this newly established nation. It was not the Americanization of of of, of France. So when today we are talking, uh, I mean, France is talking and denouncing the importation of, you know, of a U.S. analysis on the French context as if they did not apply. Nobody said that they applied uh, literally because France is not the United States, and everybody is clear on that. First, it's a it's sheer ignorance of U.S. academia, because they should know that within U.S. academia, you can find faculty coming from all around the world. So if I teach in the United States and I stay forever in the United States, would I become immediately an American, having an American view on French matters? Are we, uh, is it possible to erase all my precedent years as a French citizen? You know, so you find people from Europe, you find people from uh, Asia, from the Caribbean, from the African continent, from, you know, South or even uh, South America or Canada. So these are the people who are producing knowledge within U.S. academia. So how American is it? You still have Americans, of course, within uh, um, U.S. academia, but you have also a lot of people who, uh, who are doing work. On uh, on France and the French context, who come from elsewhere and who have simply found better uh, working conditions in in the U.S. context because the the, the U.S. is wealthy and the U.S. has um, you know like a, a number of universities. That can um, you know offer significant salaries, let's just say, and who, um, that will leave you alone and not accuse you of being you know like a, a obsessed with race and, and things like that. So, so that would be the second point. So accusing people to import things from the United States is, is simply a, a misunderstanding and a non I don't know, a, a terrible knowledge first of the United States. Uh, history uh, because the French think that they know the United States and you talk about I mean you hear about the United states on the at the mainstream level everywhere every day but I don't think they are familiar with the the geography the history and the evolution how this country that began with 13 states 13 states has grown to become this nation state um, encompassing 50 states and other dependent dependent territories. Like I'm talking about Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, and Guam. You know all those those spheres of influence. Uh, how the United States occupied, uh, you know, Haiti in the early 20th century, and all those things. There's this vision of, oh, you know, the U.S. do this and the U.S. So once again, it's just an, the most recent weapon that has been, uh, you know, found and brandished to uh, attempt at maintaining the silence. And if the silence is to be broken because 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 I don't know the authorities can understand that the silence can no longer continue in, in 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 to operate in that form, then we are going to find a way to control the narrative and we are going to find a way to uh, to frame the conversation and we'll decide how the conversation will be framed. So you want to talk about race, you want to talk about blackness. we are going to induct Josephine Baker. In the Pantheon, and that's that's our answer, and that's that's the end of the conversation. This is the blackness we accept. Dance in uh, banana bells. Be American. Uh, be an actress. Be a performer, and 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 that's the blackness we we'll accept. But uh, people are still are still fighting, and they have things to say. That, uh, the silence cannot continue. You know, like it's a uh, even. The irony that I'm using for the induction of Josephine Baker um, in the Pantheon can also be perceived as 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 a form of progress. They still had to do that. They still had to induct her. Um, so next step will be somebody, somebody else.
1: Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Kendall Thomas. I am Flores Ford, And this is CRT2, Columbia Race Talks, Critical Race Theory.